I remember when I was in a parish uh, a few years ago, it was a great treat when I would get invited over for dinner at people's houses from the parish. But often, what would happen when I'd go there, especially when people were like very Catholic and very excited to have the priest over, I would get treated in a way that was not exactly comfortable. You know, they would have like a chair sit in the middle of the room. Padre, please sit down. And meanwhile, everybody's kind of like standing and rushing around, getting things ready and making the food. And um, maybe one or two people are in charge of like actually sitting and talking to you. (laughs) Meanwhile, everybody's making great preparations for this very like impressive visit. And I remember laughing uh, and just thinking that if you really wanted to um, love me or impress me, it would be to just sit here and actually relate. I don't often get to sit and just hang out with with the parishioners, uh, much less in their homes. But um, I think of that when I, when I read the story of Martha and Mary, because we often think of it from either the perspective of Martha or Mary, understandably, in the way that we want to serve and love Jesus. But from Jesus' perspective, it's pretty clear why Mary was the one doing what he hoped that both Martha and Mary and all the guests would do, which was to relate to him, to actually be there and have a relationship with him, not to go about trying to impress him or do things that, um, that they think that he wants, um, but to just simply be there with him. It's, it's them that he's after. Um, last week, we read the, the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. These are the greatest the two commandments that sum up the entire gospel. But what is it to love God? In a way, this gospel today is a, a picture of what it is to love God, or, or how God wants to be loved. The question is, why is Jesus in their house? Why did he come over? What's he there to do? Um, it's not simply to eat. It's not simply to be entertained. He wants to give us joy. Jesus says, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Or at the Last Supper, he says, I, I say this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. God did not come to be served, but to serve. Jesus came into our life, into our world, into your life, to give you life, to make your joy complete. And so, when I'm trying to serve God and love him back, a lot of times, if, you, if you're honest, I'm speaking to myself, am I doing this for you, Lord, or am I doing this for me? <laughs> because it makes me feel like I'm doing something. Because I'm afraid if you see me and I'm not looking busy that you might be angry or upset or unimpressed. Is, is this actually what you want, Lord? Or is this just something that I think you want and it's actually just serving me and my ego? This criterion of joy, like, is what I'm doing for the Lord giving me joy? It's sort of a tricky one, right? Because it's not, joy is not just like a possession. If I'm going after joy, if I'm just trying to be happy just doing whatever I feel like, um, I often miss it. I don't hit joy. I don't get the happiness I'm looking for. Joy is not something that I possess and grab apart from God. Like God came to give me this little package. Here's your joy. Okay, thanks God. And then you leave and go enjoy it by yourself. Joy is something we enter into. All the, all the parables where, you know, there's the master and the servants and they have to go do something, whether tend a vineyard or invest the talents or whatever. The ones that are trustworthy... As he said, good, well done, good and faithful servant. Now come enter your master's joy. Or the prodigal son who returns. 
comes into the house. It's not like you, you want to be a little servant outside the house. You're my son. You come inside and you, you enjoy the father's joy. Or the older son in that parable won't enter in. He's got a, he wants his goat and he wants his party with his friends. And Lord, I've served you all my life and, and you never even gave me a goat so that I could enjoy it with my friends. And the father says, everything I have is yours. You're always with me. Come, your brother was dead and now he's alive. Come enter this joy with me. So joy is never this solipsistic solo sport. It's always in communion. It's always together. But it's also not something where you just kind of like rest and like, oh man, I'm just enjoying life, you know? We think, you know that principle that the vacation you're looking forward to is always the better, the, better than the vacation that you're actually on? Right? Because it's, it's hard to just sit and enjoy like the beach or, or whatever, and, and, but not be thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to end. I have to go back to work and all this stuff, you know, to actually be in a moment. We're always like transporting ourselves to the future. Why? Because we know that this joy is not yet complete. Whatever joy that I'm experiencing, whether it's some huge triumph, some like I got into grad school or I got my first job or I, you know, I'm doing really great in life or just the simple joy of a, a sunrise and a, and flowers and the, the beauty of another day, um, those joys, they decay, they go away, they pass, and new sorrows come, and, and new struggles, and new challenges. C.S. Lewis has a book called Surprised by Joy. It's a, the book, it's basically his autobiography. And in it, he talks about these memories that he had from very early in his childhood, and then through his adolescence, and into his adulthood, of like times when joy this thing that it, at first he didn't even have a word for it, but this feeling of, of home, of well-being, of, of this openness of spirit just kind of like came into his life. And it was the simplest things. The first one I remember when he was a little boy, his older brother made this like little terrarium out of a shoe polish tin with little moss and sticks and like a bug. And it, it just made him feel something like this enlargement of heart. He just looked at it and it was so charming. He was just like, I want to live in this, you know? And he didn't know what it was, but it was this, what he said was a sign pointing to heaven. That those kind of moments of joy, of, of, of home, of well-being, are not our actual home. Like where I grew up, there's a, a road through town called Green Bay Road. And Green Bay Road, the sign Green Bay, we're not in Green Bay. But actually, at some point, I guess in history, that road actually went up to Green Bay, Wisconsin. Or Milwaukee Road and stuff like These road signs, they're not the city. They're the sign that says you're on the path to the city. And that's what joy is, C.S. Lewis says. That's why he couldn't ever grasp it. He couldn't ever just take it and hold it because it, was, it would just like be crushed like a butterfly in his hand. He had to just like let it go. But the thing is that it is a sign. that It, it's, it means that I'm on the path. What, joy, what Jesus has come to give me is this joy that is a refreshment on the path. It's rest. It's not simply like something to be thrown away. It's something to be appreciated and, and received, but to not just sit in it. I, um, I heard this story. It was very moving of a, a young woman. She died a few years ago of cancer. She was born the same year as me, actually. Um, and she, she was actually a focused missionary. Michelle Dupont was her name. And uh, you may have heard this story before, but she, she got, uh, contracted a very serious cancer, and in less than a year, she died. And um, she was very holy, and she, she was very generous and very prayerful. And her mother at one point said, in, in the midst of her sickness, Michelle, I wish I could pray like you. Um, 
You always seemed to be so wrapped up, and she loved Eucharistic adoration. She would come to, to Holy Hour all the time. She did Holy Hour every day. And, um, and she said to her mom, her mom said this, Oh, Mom, I, I just imagine myself in the scene, whatever gospel scene she's praying with, and then I'm like a little girl, and I climb into Jesus' lap, and I just tell him everything. That's, I don't know about you, but something very, very moving about that. I, I wish I could be like that, if I could be like a child and share with Jesus absolutely everything that's on my heart. I think that's what Jesus was happy about with Mary, sitting at his feet and listening to him. Um, she's chosen the better part and it won't be taken from her. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. I've said this, that your joy, my joy might be in you and my joy might be complete. What he wants for us is to walk with him like little children on a path to enter into complete joy forever. And this criterion of joy, like, is what I'm doing for Jesus, for him or for me? Am I just trying to be busy and feel like I'm doing something for the Lord? Am I, am I trying to love him, but actually I'm just sort of like my own worst enemy? Or can I just sit at his feet? Can I just climb into his lap and tell him everything that's on my heart so that he can give me this joy? So I can rest for a little bit. That's another thing that Jesus is always doing in the gospel. He sends the people out. He sends the 12 apostles out. He says, cure diseases, drive out demons, preach the gospel. And then they come back and they're like, dude, we did it. We drove out demons in your name and we're, we're doing all this awesome stuff for you. And he says, come away with me to a deserted place and rest a while. Even Jesus himself does it. When he tries to get away to that deserted place, everybody follows him. And then he looks out and he has pity on them. And he says, give them something to eat. That's when he feeds 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And then after all that, finally, then he goes off to a deserted place to rest a while. If the Lord himself needs to rest in the Father's arm, in the Father's lap, to share everything that's on his heart, to receive this joy, how much more do we? You know? Um, so maybe this morning... To, to think about this, like, what is, what is Jesus actually doing? What is, why is he in our house? What does he come for? Uh, and how does he want to be loved by us? Um, can we not wallow in our own self-pity or, or try to grasp at joy that, that's not meant to be lasting, but to be a sign that points us to heaven? Can we, like, walk with Jesus trustingly, be refreshed by him and rest with him when it's time, but also go with him to keep going into this joy that he wants to give us?